You're listening to the Midday Grind with Martin Kilcoin and Charlie Marlowe on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Twelve thirty-four. Is this an homage to Marcelo Zuna, the Big Bear? He needs to hit. A lot of Cardinals need to hit. Chuck. They're playing the Bruins. The whole there's there's levels. The whole team needs. There's to levels hit. to this. The Big Bears, the Bruins, taking down the Blues in Game One in the Stanley Cup Final last night, four-two. Get your texts in about uh, your thoughts on the game, your outlook on the series. We have gotten a lot of texts. I'll read some of them here, boys, including. And I have to say, I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, pumping my own tires, but a lot of happy birthday Chuck messages from uh, from Big Al. It's also Big Al's birthday. Hockey Bob also wishing me a happy 37th birthday. Tim, on the other hand, a gentleman named Tim from the 636, not as fond of of me. He says, uh, Jesus, would you stop with the stupid Bastin accent? No, keep doing it. It's not funny. It sounds stupid. No. And you are a total dork. No. He says that to me on my birthday. As producer of the show, I demand you keep doing it. Listen, listen. This has nothing to do with with you being a total dork, which is completely separate. But that's Um, fair, yeah. And true. But not not an insult. All right? Don't don't let anyone talk to me like that. Hey, Chuck, where does Keith Kachuk's mom work? On the docks in the harbor. It's tough because Boston. Off curving that like Adam Wainwright to Derek Jeter there. <laughs> With Boston, you can go wow, the typical. That was unbelievable. You can go the chowder, but you can also go Spags because I believe he's from Worcester. Sorry, where was that? Worcester. Worcester, okay. Mass. Worcester, Mass. All right, so I'll find some of these texts. A lot of them. It sounds like it sounds like almost like an, a way of somebody in Boston would say Easter Mass. I don't know why. Where are we going to Worcester Mass this 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 year, Grandma? Now, can I go to Easter in Worcester? <laughs> okay, so here we go. Uh, Craig Ruby, by the way, is saying that Dunn could be available for Game Two. Uh-huh. Adding, adding, this is hockey intrigue. Quote: We'll see. I think he will. Again, we got the brownie report. So if he was eating a brownie and a cookie, he's good to go. This is just based on, on what kind of cookie. On the, the progress. What, what if, it was, if it was crunchy, that's a big sign. Yeah, if good. it was soft, I mean, is that really saying anything? Martin's failing in his journalistic integrity. If you think about it, though, Saturday, he was a full participant <laughs> in practice yes. before they left for Boston. He had the full caged helmet. And then they get their caged helmet again for the Sunday workout. And he had that normal helmet yesterday for the skate. So if you kind of look at the progress, it would not surprise me if he now plays. In game two, Vince Dunn, that is. I think that's a big get, by the way, for the Blues. I think he brings a different dynamic. I don't know who sits, if it's Edmondson or um, Gunnarsson, but I think having him in there and his ability to create offense on the backside is a big help. Martin brought this up, and I do think you know we're focused on the game and who's going to win or lose and all that and the series moving forward, but the Edmondson-Backus couple tussles really was fascinating. Yes. And... I agree with Martin's take that I think at first that Edmondson thought that Bacchus pulled a Lindell mm-hmm. and was embellishing, but then when you see the replay, he did certainly get him right there in the face, and then he gives him a little extra when he's on the ground. I didn't think that was a big deal at all, but uh, then he gives him the face wash, and there was, there's two nice little tussles between them, and I just wonder, I mean, does that just happen right out of game one where you start kind of... Uh, you're hitting each other. You're you're ticking each other off. Or was there something? Was there something from that first season, Edmondson's first year, which was Backus's last year with the Blues? I wonder if if anything happened, or they didn't have a great relationship. I don't have any idea. I'm just curious. 
And I think we'll we'll know more about that today because that's a that's a really good off day storyline as well. Yesterday, when you're really focused on on the game and who won and who lost and and what that means, but I think that's a really interesting story, especially in St. Louis, with how people still like David Backus, not in this series, but uh, with how that all went down. We're being held to the fire, guys. This is from Macomb County, Michigan, five eight six. Do you guys even care over there in St. Louis about the Stanley Cup series or just take it as a joke and don't really care? Just happy to be there. Come on. Get angry over there. Boston B-slapped you guys around like crazy, and you guys and fans don't even care. I apologize for the previous two and a half hours of apathy. Well, what do you want us to say? I mean, the Blues angry, look Chuck. really it's your bad. birthday. Be mad. Oh, I'm not mad. It's your birthday. Get angry. <laughs> how, do you expect, how do you expect Colton Pareko... Take, obviously, resting up from last night, listening to this station, obviously, to get pumped up for you know the biggest moment of his professional career. How is he supposed to take our apathy and go out on the ice and then play a good game on Wednesday? How are if we don't get if we don't get hyped up and take it seriously? How are the players going to take it seriously, Chuck? How? I, Craig, how I say? Craig Berube is talking right now to the media in Boston. He literally just said, "I've heard that Sports Talk Radio isn't angry today, so therefore we don't care about Game Two. Let's switch it up with this. The Beweevil of Bevo Mills says. Happy birthday, Charlie. <laughs> I need your help. I need your help. As I'm, get very, the boys ready. I'm very yes. confused. Reggie and I are playing in a charity golf tournament. I've never played golf. <laughs> Reggie tells me I have to address the ball. I have a Sharpie marker. Do I put my home address on the ball or my office address on the ball? I assume that if I lose my golf balls, another golfer will mail back my golf balls. No matter how small I print, I can't get both addresses on the ball. Please advise. Thanks in advance. Regards, Coach Spag. That's a, that's good. That is awesome. The Blues will win Game Two now because of that. Yep, we're all in now. Yep. Concerned Blues fan <laughs> tweets in, texts in, guys. Regarding the Blues, we've seen this story before. The boys will dig down deep. Richie, Ronnie, Bass, Skate Boy, Skate. That is, I think, what's happening in San Jose is kind of keeping people off the ledge. Didn't play well in Game One, and then. Mostly for the rest of the series, you dictated everything. So I think that's why Blues fans aren't quite yet on the ledge. Lost tomorrow night, and they're there. Then they're getting worried. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. Uh, look, it was a one-goal game for crying out loud, people. Calm down. It's not like uh, you get blown up by three or four goals and you were never in the contest. You got beat. You're not the Oilers. You don't have... Seven Hall of Famers skating around. You're going to lose a game. You're probably going to have another game where, you know what, you didn't give your best effort. But over the long haul, you you won three rounds against three very good hockey teams, three teams that were tough to play against, and you outmuscled them. There's no reason to believe this team will not answer back. And you're in game 20. You were in game 20 of your postseason. You went six with Winnipeg. You went seven with Dallas. You go six games with San Jose. So again, could this could this series go south? Sure, it could. And, and Boston has been the team they've kind of just run through teams, especially recently here in their last uh, eight or nine games. But if you look at the trends of the Blues this year in the postseason, it trends towards a six or seven game series. And, and could they lose that? Absolutely. I mean, the the Boston Bruins are a really good team, but I, I don't think you're going to see the Blues play as poorly as they did last night. And even with that, you're in it till the end. Where if you get a bounce, you get a penalty, you still have a shot. To win, a lot of people uh, texting in about the note. Who's in charge of the Blues PK? 17 touches before a shot. Pound the net with shots and bodies. As Chara found out, the puck hurts. Like using the body, which was effectively absent for the note last night. 
They are as well as we. Uh, each shot has an effect, and that kind of showed in the uh, Shark series. I do not agree with Baruby when he stated they couldn't change. These are men, not some spoiled high schoolers or traveling team. Using the body in hockey is like moving your feet for defense in hoops or football. This is the ultimate for their profession. Constantly take it to the Bruins. Finish a check as we folded to them. The Bruins will fold. That BS run was just Thomas not being aware. That's a very long, comprehensive text. Also, Tuka Rask isn't Martin Jones. And just just hammering bad shots isn't going to do anything against him. That's fair, but also the Blues beat a a very good Ben Bishop-led Dallas team in the second round. Uh, But, yeah, I don't think you're going to see some of the the goals that got past Martin Jones in, in the final here against Rask. Uh, my fear is that we have a repeat of 1970. I think a sweep would be very depressing. That's oh, from don't be thinking that way. That's one, one game. Uh, three one four. When we were down three two last night, I felt like we were down five goals instead I, of yeah, just one. I agree. I'm hopeful the boys can pick themselves up by the bootstraps. It does seem like the maybe the first ten minutes of the first period tomorrow night will be really interesting to see how the Blues come out. I feel like this team needs to get punched in the mouth to realize the level they need to be at. Last night was that punch in the mouth. Now is time to step up. That's from Doug Vaughn's Fancy Thong. And uh, one more, uh, somebody calling me mailed in Marlowe, which is fair. Oh, that's not true. You came in early today. Oh, it's on your Slayer, birthday. Man. You did. It's less of an adjective and more of an ethos for him. I like I like the usage of ethos there what as would well. Boston Charlie have to say to the real Charlie right now about his birthday? <laughs> Happy birthday, Charlie. Okay, that's that's not a not a great accent there. And, and I'll move on from the not Boston sure accent and the Spags. Um, <laughs> I know Brian Hoffman wants to talk a little Cardinals as well here. Do we? When we're we're watching the series over the weekend, and you have the big comeback on Saturday on Fox Two, everything's rolling well for the Cardinals on Sunday. Flaherty has a nice outing. John Gant comes in. Carlos Martinez comes in. How much do you think that Jordan Hicks? In the same vein that we talk about rust versus rest with the Bruins. I mean, here's a guy who basically hasn't pitched hardly at all yep. in the month of May. And and he's got elite stuff, but he went out there on Sunday and just flat out didn't have it. I'm not worried about that at all, but that was one of those games you needed that series. You needed to win that series. I, when you say not worried. I'm talking about Hicks. I, I'm not worried about, well, I am kind of worried about Hicks because there's been no indication he'll be getting many save opportunities moving forward. That's where the concern is. So we don't have any any direct knowledge or inclination that this is about to be turned around anytime soon. So if they keep playing this way, you'll keep seeing infrequent appearances by quite possibly your best reliever, if not one of your top two or three. I think I agree with the rust uh, issue with, with Hicks. I think his infrequent usage in May led to a, a rough appearance on Sunday. I think if you're Mike Schilt, you have to maybe be a little quicker in pulling the trigger on Sunday night when you realize if Hicks doesn't have it, you can see right away if he doesn't. He's not one who kind of gets it mid-outing. It's either he's good from the start or his his control is, is wobbly the entire time. So with that being the case, I think you need to be a little quicker in being able to pull him, whereas waiting until bases are loaded, that's kind of a tough spot to put anyone in. I think what we've seen with this Cardinals team, though, over the last couple of years also is – when they make moves, whether it's if you have the DFA guys, if you change things up with the coaching staff, and we've seen a lot of that over the last couple of years, it does seem like the team immediately responds and plays better. 
And obviously last year when Mike Schultz takes over, they they respond great for the next month and a half. I, I think when we talk about how to solve the Cardinals, we also have to remember that they actually have made a ton of changes in the last two weeks. You know, it's not a small move when you basically take two guys out of your bullpen and say, see you later, with Dominic Leone and Luke Gregerson, right? And they brought Helsley up. We'll see what happens moving forward with him and his role if he's back with the Cardinals. But you also take Michael Waka out of your starting rotation. And you move Dexter Fowler to leadoff, which for him so far has not worked. We'll see if that can get both those guys going, Matt Carpenter and Dexter Fowler. But my point is, when you say, how do we solve this thing? You've made some some pretty substantial moves in the last two weeks, and, and so far it hasn't kind of got them going. I mean, there's there's not much else they can do internally until we see a Reyes potentially. It and starts that, tonight. Okay, but that might be... Still two weeks away, probably. Yeah. I would say, I mean, I, yeah. I talked with John Mozeliak on Saturday before our, our game for the pregame show, and I think he said he wants to see what he saw with the five innings, 70 pitches, three or four more times. Probably higher up in the minors, too, yeah. Right, and also mm-hmm. it has it has really more to do with him being able to swing a bat than it is right. building up the pitch count because, I, I don't know, I'm kind of with you, though, Hoff. I wouldn't mind get him up here quicker, send him up there. I don't care if he holds the bat backwards and just takes three pitches and strikes out. Kind of there, yeah. I agree completely with that. I just I think you are so desperate for outs in your pitching staff that even if it's one at bat, I think it's okay letting that be an out just because you need some sort of stability. And so all of this is predicated, and I feel like this is Groundhog's Day with Alex Reyes. It's all predicated on Alex being effective on the major league level, which we have not seen in three years. So there's that's a big barrier yet to be crossed for him. But if he gets there, that's a weapon. And that's one you need to utilize, even if he can't swing. And I think also with Carlos Martinez moving forward, I just wonder how they're going to bump up his usage because we heard from him that he was a little apprehensive to basically cut it loose. And entering this weekend, he had made three appearances, all scoreless, but it was two one-inning appearances and one for two-thirds of an inning. And then you saw something similar on Sunday in that game. where Because I would love to see him be a guy that, look, he, he could be kind of your fireman reliever. And if a, a starter goes six and a third innings, if he could do it, wouldn't you love to see Carlos Martinez just come in and finish a game? So I'm very interested to see how they bump up his usage. We've we've seen that maybe he'll be a starter down the road, but right now the way they're kind of building him up, it looks like they're just going to have him be a one-inning guy for, for a while here before they try to build him up. I was just looking at the schedule. There are no road interleague games in June, so you can't use Reyes in those games. I was thinking that would be perfect. Oh, that'd be a cheat code. Yeah, so July 2nd is the first, and that's at Seattle. So, I mean, that's a month away. I would hope they would not wait a month to bring Reyes up. I think it's also fair to say, and Hoffman, you kind of touched on that, that I think with Reyes, in the back of our heads, we're all still thinking we're getting potentially like that super ace Cy Young potential number one prospect Reyes. And at this point, I think we have to limit our expectations. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Just when you miss basically two full seasons with an injury, and then he comes up and there's a lot of high hopes and expectations for Reyes this year. And within the first month of the season, he's basically back down in the minor leagues. I don't think it's fair either with where he's at right now to expect him to come up and be the savior because that Alex Reyes that we saw his first year where he came up at the end out of the bullpen was 
amazing. We we haven't seen that for three years in the big leagues. Here's something to think about with you, and I agree with your point with young pitchers. But aren't they doing the same thing with Hicks? They're doing the same thing with Hudson. Flaherty's only in his second year. You're trying to make all these guys be super starters, super in their role, when reality is they're only in years one and two, and they're still trying to figure it out. So reality is to put all that on those guys, and those are the guys you're relying on, that's kind of where you're, why you're where you are right now. And it's kind of that's an organizational thing on them. That, that's on the Cardinal organization for saying, wow, we're rolling with all these guys. And now that it's not working, that everybody's not an ace and, and throwing up zeros, now you got problems. And that's where, and look, I'm certainly uh, able to admit when I'm wrong. Entering the year, I really did like the Cardinals' overall mm-hmm. starting pitching depth. And, and a big part of that was guys like Gant, Ponce de Leon, and Gomber being, let's say, the 8th, ninth, 10th starters in the group. But what's certainly a fair point that was made, not just now but then, was when you throw out the, the names, and there was about 10 of them, legitimate question marks and concerns for about half of them. Yes. And that, that's where, if everything went wrong, if, if a lot of the question marks, whether it's injury or old age or whatever it is, if those, if those all kind of come to the forefront, you're in trouble. And that's what we've seen with the Cardinals because look at those 10 names that you had before the season. And you had question marks about Waka, correct? Yeah. He was kind of in every other year he would have the good, healthy year, which by the trend would have been 2019. And Michael Waka is now in the bullpen. Adam Wainwright, you wondered about his age and coming back, health and and arm-related issues last year. And Adam Wainwright has been solid. And I guess you can say, okay, he's your fifth starter. But Adam Wainwright has not been a guy who goes out there every single game and gives you a real great chance to win. Dakota Hudson, I think, lately has been much better, but still the numbers overall, he's giving you a chance to win, but he's kind of an average guy right now, which which should be expected in your first year as a full-time starter in the big leagues. And then keep talking about the health issues. Carlos Martinez, right? Health issue. Yep. That one crept up. Alex Reyes. Injury issues for two years. That one crept up. And now when you're looking at this great depth, you're looking at half of these guys. And then that's not even bringing underperformance. I think everybody thought Miles Michaelis would not have the same baseball card stats as last year, and that's true. Miles Michaelis has not been near 2018 Miles Michaelis. Jack Flaherty, I think we all expected him to be a little closer to last year, and he had a good outing on Sunday. But overall, you're looking at the, the Cardinals' starting pitching numbers, and you see a lot of guys with four ERAs. And that's basically just kind of average-type guys. I think an issue with the Cardinals and, and their starting pitching is that Chuck, you mentioned their depth. They've been afraid to use it at times. And I bring it up more so for Ponce de Leon, where I get Gombers on the IL, but Walk has had maybe one good start this year. Around that, it's been a lot of walks, a lot of home runs, a lot of runs scored, but he's been given the ball every fifth day. You're telling me that Gomber, when healthy, couldn't provide better starts than what Walker was providing you prior to his injury. But Ponce de Leon who I get isn't a super prospect. He's not someone you expect to be in your rotation three years from now, but he's someone today who could give you six pretty good innings, which is better than what Walk has given you, which is about what Wainwright has given you, which is better than what Hudson has given you for a good number of his starts. It's it's confusing that, hey, we have depth. We have ten starters. Okay, well, well how many have you used? Well, we've used basically just five and only using a sixth or seventh due to injury. Well, then what's the point of preaching depth? 
if you're not going to utilize it when it's there. Death cannot just be an injury thing. Death also needs to be a performance thing. And they're not using it for the latter, only for the former. And that's why I've, I've banged the drum for this, and maybe too much. But I, I really think about it. And I, when I watch John Gant pitch, and he basically strikes out every single batter he faces in almost every outing, <laughs> I, I like to ask myself a question. And I go, I was going to make a Twitter poll about this. Would it be crazy to say that John Gant could be one of your three best pitchers? No. So think about that. Now, I was even going to say, would it be crazy to say that John Gant, if given the opportunity, I don't think it's crazy that he could be your best starter. What I'm saying is I'm not saying that's the case, but that's not a crazy thing to put out there. So if you said there's a good chance John Gant could be one of your top three starters, he's not even in the rotation at all. I understand he's really good in the bullpen, but guess what? You're losing your games for the most part before you get there. Or use them You're losing your games yep. based on your starters. And that's my point where, Hoff, what you said is, is 100% correct. Too many times they, they, they make the convenient move. They play the contracts or the names. Like with Waka. We all love Waka. We know it's his final year. We know he's not coming back, right? They're yeah. not going to sign mm-hmm. him. They've signed every young pitcher to a, to a deal buying out the arbitration years and maybe a couple free agent years, except for who? Waka, he's not coming back, and Lance Lynn. They didn't get a deal with him. Even they approached Lynn, and he only wanted to buy out arbitration. He never right. wanted the free agent year bought out. But you basically get the, the point that if that doesn't happen early, yes. they're probably not going to sign that guy to a long-term contract. So it was almost like, well, it's Waka's final year. He's got to be a starter. And again, Adam Wainwright has been solid but not spectacular. But it's like, well, it's Adam Wainwright. He's got to get a spot. And that's where I'm saying I don't think it's crazy at all to say that if you put a Ponce or a Gant in there, they're going to be better than those guys. And right? you even mentioned with Wainwright, you've mentioned his contract. It's written for him to excel is the wrong word, but put have a role in both the rotation and the bullpen. So even Wainwright entering this year knew that a removal from the rotation was possible. I, I, our biggest complaint, and Chuck, you mentioned it, is that why are your top five rotation needs to be your top five starters? Well, that's not the case right now. And that probably hasn't been the case at all this year. And that's an issue. And that's been a problem now for a couple of years. Uh, Larry texting in. I agree with you, Hoff. But uh, then who goes down? Can't send Wayno or Waka down. Just use the IL, even if they aren't hurt? Question mark. You can put these guys in the bullpen. Yeah. You have a lot of guys that have options, too, that you can kind of ride that Memphis shuttle, as yes. teams have done in uh, previous years. Uh, Rudy the Flyer says, I think I figured it out. If Charlie has to cover two hours, that's when he reads text. Whoa, whoa. Oh, whoa, no. Whoa, that's fair. Whoa. I feel like I try to always read text. Yeah, it's Martin's fault. Uh, Blues, yeah, Bennington, steals game two. Blues win 2-1. We are fine. I like it. I like the confidence. And Flip Phone Stan says, I don't think Boston gives a rat's ass about trends. Fact is, you had a two-goal lead on the road and let it slip away. Bennington has to be much better hmm. to beat Boston. I mean, they care about the trend of them winning a lot of games in a row. That's a trend they're probably talking a lot about in Boston. Eight straight wins. <laughs> Brian Hoffman, Chuck, any more sponsors? Yes, for the we have the hour? appliance discounters. Six convenient locations in Missouri and Illinois. Webster Grove, South County, St. Charles, Ballin, St. Louis City, and Fairview Heights. You can get your fridge, your dishwashers, laundry machines, any appliance you could possibly need by going to the appliancediscounters.com or visiting any other six area locations. They have all the top brands there. Buy local, 
visit a local company, the Appliance Discounters. Hardline coming up next. We yep. got Bob Ramsey. Is TJ Mo out there? I wasn't able to see, I but TJ. fantastic show coming up. Thank you to Jim Hewer, Brian Hoffman, Matt Rocchio, the Plowboy. I'm Charlie Marlowe, filling in for Martin and Frank, who are live in Baston. I'll do the accent one more time just because it's my birthday. Hey, but tomorrow. Happy also, birthday, Chuck. Thank you. Yes. Tomorrow, Martin Kilcoin joining us live from the SS Gloria. Wearing a sailor hat. Wearing a captain's hat, if we can uh, get him on that, with his live report from his little yacht slash hotel. And check him out tonight on Fox 2. We'll have all kinds of uh, blues coverage <laughs> all night. What I'm saying. That was a quick oh, aside. Yeah, of the by yeah. Oh, by the way, watch him on television. Cross promotion for the old two Fox. All right. Good show, boys. And we'll talk to you tomorrow once again on the Hollywood Casino Press Box and the Midday Grind. This has been the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Congratulations.